about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Nazdrovia, Tim. Wow, that woke me right up. Nazdrovia, Tim. Nazdrovia. <laughs> it only took us. That was my demon impression. I liked it. A Polish demon impression. Mm hmm. It only took us 104 episodes to get to our first Polish film, I believe. 104 episodes of what, Tim? Of Dismembering Horror. <laughs> That's where you are. That's where we are. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for being here. This is, as I said, Dismembering Whore We Are. It is the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. <laughs> that's right. We dismember a horror film every single week. Every Thursday, in fact, straight from our mouths to your ears, from our souls to your beings, and vice versa, I'd like to think, too. We talk about what yeah. worked. <laughs> we talk about what worked for us. Anything that did not work for us and anything else we, these couple of knuckleheads, found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. And we're on the... What an interesting concept. We're literally putting ourselves inside of your head. <laughs> yeah. Music, man. Words. Vibrate. We are vibrating into your brains. We're all vibrations. Wow. And we are here for the variety of, of dark horror vibrations. We like to... We, we are here on a search for them, a quest for them to open our eyes where we mm. maybe shan't not be looking because it's because it's fun because it, it makes us tingly inside maybe you know we shouldn't really have to explain it behind besides from that but but that's why we're here we love it we're like a we're like a really really refreshing and necessary cup of coffee in the morning but the morning is horror and the coffee is the serial killer. I really like to think that this is someone's morning podcast, like morning commute podcast. It's got to be somebody, <laughs> like one person out there wakes up and it's like, yes, <laughs> Thursday morning. Here we go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if that's you, here we are for you. We're on episode four, 104. We're going to talk about demon. I did not get, or is there a Polish word? I mean, I'm sure there is. Yeah, is there? I, I'm sure. I don't see the the I don't see the Polish title though. At least on Wikipedia. Well, I'll do a little research while you talk. Okay. Yeah. No, we're here for Demon from 2015, and Tim, I actually don't uh don't have much else to say. I mean, usually we we want to catch up about anything else, note anything from our previous episodes we want to correct or amend, but I think uh, I'd be set to watch the trailer. Hmm. No, I don't. I don't have anything. You know what demon is in Polish? What? Damon. <laughs> That's so same spelling. No, it's uh. Oh, yeah. No, it's the same spelling. Okay, so so <laughs> it's just pronounced slightly di different. So okay, so, slightly. So then we're here for Damon today. <laughs> yep. Great. From 2015 to say that. All right. Well. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's watch it. Let's watch this trailer. All right. But it's scary. Here we go. As I said, for demon slash demon. Janetka's more in love with this place than she is with me. No way. I'll show you something. <laughs> we can use those original bricks. We'll have a summer house for the whole family. 
We'll have to do something about this barn. for your own wedding. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> there you have it. Tim, um, our next section here is our rating per our rating system. Would we tell ourselves, Tim and Ryan, speaking to ourselves, to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Well, my, my in-summary review is I enjoyed that trailer way more than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but I want to hear what you think. <laughs> the- um, yeah, you know, I think overall, there's a lot of good stuff going on and a lot of compelling themes and visuals and performances. And then it kind of just falls short. Like, it never really gets to where I feel like it, it like, set us up to think we were going to get some sort of, like, holy shit. Just kind of fizzles out. So, it's tough because I actually, I, I do like it quite a lot, but I think I'm still a rent, even even though it doesn't quite land fully. Which is a bummer because there's some – I rarely use the term potential in anything because I think it's a weird term. But like <clears throat> this one felt like it had a lot of potential and then just kind of whoop and then it was over. <laughs> it went woof. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I um, you remember- but I still give it a rent. I think it, it – I think it has enough – to you know to get there for me do you remember what i said is like my biggest like deal breaker for a movie oh man uh it having a lige douche in it you mean not having her in it <laughs> <laughs> exactly if it doesn't have her the douche definitely you're not you're not into it. Well, yeah, because that just means you aren't watching Wrong Turn. So, <laughs> right, which we need to talk about later, by the way. <laughs> okay. Always happy to, of course. Um, um, but no, go on. Yes. I, it's, it's your deal breaker. What is yeah, your deal breaker? It's just don't, if I'm bored. Oh, right. It can be yeah, terrible. Yeah. It can be a terrible movie. But, you know, if it has enough weird things or just, mm-hmm. just things that make me, I don't know. But I I I feel I'm kind of at a loss too, and this is why I wanted to do some digging because I feel like I I'm reading the positive reviews for it, which are the most of the reviews for it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I guess I can see that, but I just didn't. It just wasn't. It just wasn't coming through for. I just don't know if I was in the right mood or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, if I was oh, I just know. wanting something else, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe this was, I was bored enough on this watch yeah. that I would just tell myself to avoid it. Interesting. Um, wow. even though after the fact I'm like, 
kind of like, well, you know, stream it so you can kind of maybe pick apart why you weren't getting those things that were working for everyone else. But I mean, when watching it, I was just like, I'd rather be rewatching any of the ones from, you know, our top nine hmm. lists or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just, well, that, that's kind I of mean, always, that's always the case. <laughs> right. No, no, it's not. Because, you know, as far as the discovery, seeing what else is out there, like right. if it's a solid stream, I kind of, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're there. We're seeing it. But this, I was just like, ugh, get me out of here. So yeah, avoid yeah. it. I think it hits a pretty, it kind of has a, a rising momentum up until about maybe 50, 55 minutes in. And then there's like just kind of nothing. See, that's where I'll, I thought there was a nothing momentum, then a little bit of a uptick when like at the midpoint and then just more of nothing. Anyway, can I give you my summary? Move on to the summary, and you'll, you'll oh please further. Oh, I can't wait. Further make my bitter asshole point. Um, <laughs> but I wrote, I have a groom, a groom at his Polish wedding digs up a skeleton. He spazzes out and starts speaking Yiddish during the reception, then disappears. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it's you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what a spaz he really does spaz out S fucking spaz central over there yeah which, everybody's kind of spazzing out which i i did actually like that's the aspect i did like that's why i yeah. used the word um all right <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to add that you think is important <laughs> to summarize yeah sure 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 here's what here's what the to me the movie is sort of about or to summarize what it, I felt like it was about. I mean, so there's this folk tale in, um, I actually don't know where it originates exactly, but it's, it's a Jewish folk tale. Uh, it's called the Dybbuk, which is essentially, a just a, a, a demon that possess, or it doesn't have to be a demon. It turned into that. But so generally speaking, it's just a possess, a, a, an entity that possesses somebody and it can be in different sort of forms, like either it possesses you so that people can learn a wrong that was done and that can then move on or it can teach you a lesson or in some versions it is a demon. Depends on what era, blah, 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 right? So cool, great uh, folklore stuff. And this whole movie is predicated on that folklore thing and sort of doing its own take on it. Um, and so you've got a lot of big thematic things to support that that I think are interesting. But in general, the summary, I think the important parts of the summary are you have an outsider in a non, well, I mean, he's got Polish ancestors, but he is a non-Polish dude, marries a Polish woman. They have never really uh, well, sorry, they, they met online and they kind of formed their relationship from a distance. <clears throat> and they pretty quickly decide to get married. And so they get married on her, the Polish woman's ancestor's property. So he, the, the non-Polish guy, our lead character, the groom, is coming to that land for the first time. And he is going to essentially tear it all down and build their new home on it 
I think that sort of is the main whatever setup and important aspect because the digging up and like changing of the land or disturbing the land is the setup for this Dybbuk to possess him. And then, you know, wedding, 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 spaz, 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 possession, possession, possession. And we learn that he's possessed by the spirit of a Jewish woman who had died, who was from that town, who had died, what, 50 some odd years ago, would you say? Because the old, there's an old, the one remaining Jewish man in that town, obviously because of the war. So yeah, it would have been about 50 years ago. Um, he he knew this woman Hannah who had disappeared in town, um, and the family kind of has to freak out and figure out why this dude's possessed, and then and then the story falls apart because he disappears, and there's no catharsis, and it's just there it is. But I think that there is merit in doing it this way because it's speaking to a broader thematic story of the history of Jews in Poland. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I just like heard the like the school bell ring like I was falling asleep in history class just ended. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no offense to you, Tim, but <laughs> no, no, I, I you're not. I agree. I think that there's there's a lot of part of the movie is really predicated on the sort of lesson version of storytelling. And like, let's talk about history and where we came from and the importance of that and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, to me, it's very academic. I mean, of all of which I love in theory. Sure. So I want to <laughs> be curious to parse what exactly was not going on yeah. or going on for me. But yeah, let's, yeah. as we like to start with accentuating the positive, are you ready for our first section, Tim? You know it. All right, here we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? Well, I already said I liked when he, uh, the, the him spazzing out. That happened right at the midpoint was yep. the first time. And I thought yep. that was pretty cool as like striking a neat tone of being quote unquote like a possession that feels real, you know, where mm-hmm. where if you're if you're up close in dealing with him, like some of the family members are, you kind of feel <laughs> right. like you have to make the leap into this is, you know, challenging your views of reality. There's something not normal here. Um, so I was, I was kind of fine with, you know, that it, it didn't go to like full him floating around or spinning heads or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was eerie in that sense of sort of the extent to which the possession reached and that it was like just at the level where you could just say, oh, yeah, no, it was just uh, just epilepsy, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> write it off. Oh, you just drank too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think to that point, the 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 performance by the, that actor whose name I honestly it's it's 
not something I think I can pronounce. So we should just, yeah. Can you we, try? We should up front just say uh, we're going to be butchering these names, but the like the English phonetic way they're written, the character names, is the main guy, the groom, is P-I-O-T-R, Piotr. Right. But they'd say so like... basically Peter. <laughs> and then... Let's just... We can be lame yeah. and say Peter. And then the, uh, the bride... Z-A-N-E-T-A. Zanita. <laughs> so sure, the, sure. the American pronunciation. Yeah. So Piotr and Zanita, if you want to say it with a questionably offensive Fla- accent. Yeah. Or a flair. We'll just call it a flair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the performance that he gives and considering that he has to speak, I believe, five different languages throughout the movie is pretty sweet um wait what outside of polish yiddish and english so polish yiddish english german and russian i believe he speaks oh i thought they said like oh no that's not german that's yiddish at one point it's legitimately german okay cool um, because i that's the only language i ever learned secondarily and it goes from like standard German at one point right into Yiddish. Obviously, those two languages are incredibly similar, but they are different. Um, so, yeah, and, and just the performance of the possession and the freak out and the, like the, even the stuff leading up to it. There's just he's got this eerie ass vibe uh, about him and he's a peculiar, you know, interesting sort of looking and mannered dude. Um, so I like all of that. I actually really like all of the characters a lot. Like I like the actors and I like the characters that they portray. And I like the vibe of the family. And I, I mean, just the wedding itself as a whole. All of that, I think, was really fun and, and like compelling and just watching it. Like we've all been to weddings. They're they're nuts. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it really to me captures that thing of like at any any crazy wedding in particular, there's always like twenty different stories going on. Right. You know what I mean? And like you're not really a party to most of them. You're kind of a party to your little story individually (laughs) and i like the vibe of that like i love when the storm kicks up and they have to move into the house and everybody just sort of goes with it and keeps the party going like there's something really like to me endearing about all of that especially when underneath it is this sort of literally underneath them in the cellar is this like crisis that's happening and i i think that to me that holds up the film for a lot of it um, but to your point, like then there, yeah, like I agree the midpoint and sort of the possession and like that up to that point, I'm pretty, pretty in. And then about five, maybe 10 minutes after that, when they're still just sort of in the cellar contemplating what to do, like right before he disappears, I really just start to check out. So so up to that point, I'm I'm in. I'm pretty fucking fired up for it. Well, I uh, yeah, something in there you said is I'll, I'll second as just being my favorite aspect of the film, which was the wedding setting, specifically the Polish wedding setting, which yeah. are unique. Um, and then within that, though, my favorite this is probably my favorite part of the movie was the um, the role of the father of the bride, who we just see his like. He was kind of the most clear 
almost through line for me that I could actually mm. kind of follow was his denial of what's happening and how he's choosing to translate that to the crowd. Um, that was that fun balance of like the, a good kind of frustrating. Um, yeah. Like, well, I'll say there are other aspects that were frustrating as far as well, whatever, but this was, th- that was the fun kind of just seeing him like deal. Like by the end of the movie, I loved, he's straight up like talking himself, talking to himself that, Oh, when we wake up in the morning, this will it'll be like this never happened because it was it, one a collective hallucination. Yeah, it's a collect because it <laughs> it didn't happen kind of thing. Yeah, I I love that speech to be honest. Yeah, like it almost is enough for me to be like, okay, I'm in I'm into the end of this movie. But it you know almost. <laughs> Right, but that, and that's just on top of just oh my god, him getting all of them just getting drunker and drunker. So it just yeah, yeah. that tied to the getting drunk. Just, just loved all that. Yeah. Um. Uh, what else do you have? This, I have some really big things. Well, the, I mean, so I don't know if we should just dive into those. The, I mean, the last kind of broad thing, maybe this touches on something you have, um, specifically. I, okay, well, I'll, I'll get to it later as far as I can't say overall I loved how it was shot, but I did appreciate a lot of the framing of yeah, if yeah, to, to narrow an aspect within how it was shot. I thought mm-hmm. it was some really cool framing within it. Yeah, I felt the same way, actually. Um, so the thing that stuck out to me right off the bat and, and kind of I think was the undercurrent thematically that kept me kind of locked into the story uh and, and i think actually one of the ones that has a payoff the the ending pays this particular thematic thing off is that the opening shot of the movie is this sort of it's a semi-modern uh modest but pretty modern home that we're just looking at with like telephone wires. And it's a really beautifully framed shot to your point. And then we see the backhoe, the, the kind of bulldozery backhoe um, machinery vehicle drive past that. And we spend the opening of the movie following this machine through town. And as it progresses, that we go further into an older section of town. So like the houses become there, they start fairly modern and they become less and less modern and we get into more villagey stuff. And then we actually get out into the kind of the countryside. Um, we have to take a, we, we jump to Piotr and take another machine, uh, the ferry across the river and they make a point to say he says like in their bridge here and later in the movie the dad does say he's like maybe you can rebuild the bridge that the germans blew up and it made the all of that stuff oh, there's oh and there's one other thing they when he gets to the other side he drives through a rock quarry which is cool to look at but i think speaks i was like why why are we shooting that like why is that the environment we're in and I think ultimately the one of the main undercurrent themes of the movie is this sort of the old world pre-war, pre-industrialization, pre the change in, in how industrialness or progress in that realm has killed the old world. 
And part of the old world is nature and the environment and, you know, digging a giant rock quarry is a really stark visual of that. You're literally just cutting layers of the earth away. And the the story itself, the possession story is really this sort of, you know, allegory for the well, I don't know, allegory, but it's you know, it's it speaks to an entire race of people being exterminated in on that land, essentially, you know, like the World War Two happened and the Germans occupied Poland and they fucking eradicated an entire population of people and in effect, quote unquote, disappeared them. And I think that thing of like putting those two things together, like the theme of like an entire population being eradicated, they kind of represent the old world, right? And they, you know, having him dig up a body in the earth, disturbing that ground, like quote unquote sacred ground, the correlation between those two themes of like the visuals of industrialization and destroying the, the environment and the him being a part of being a, a mechanism in that unwittingly, right? Like he's this outsider, like the Germans who came in, they disturbed the ground. They, they fucked things up. They did. I mean, he doesn't do horrible things, but he becomes kind of the vessel for that, uh, if you want to call it an allegory or whatever. And so for me, like all of those things work. I really like all of that from a thematic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint. I mean, it's stark and it's hard to look at, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also me- really meaningful and really, f- you know, a big thing to address. And, you know, there's little, little uh, choices that that point at this, right? Like the woman, Hannah, the Jewish woman who who gets disappeared, um, you know, is a is a dark haired brunette Jewish woman. And Piotr's new or his well, sorry, I'm jumping the gun, but let's call her his new wife because of the sort of shining reveal at the end. Um, you know, she's more of the quintessential Aryan, white, blonde, you know, representation visually. And so you have these stark contrasts happening throughout. And I think a lot of these choices and and the storytelling and what the director is trying to get at are really good and, and compelling stuff. Um, now, whether or not we when you walk away from the movie, you feel like that was enough or it worked enough that's a different debate but i think the attempt and the attention to that detail was really compelling and and for me was working um and it speaks to the story right i think having those layers works um and it's stuff like it's deep stuff that i like to kind of dive into personally so that that to me was the big thing that that i enjoyed it and so you have the the thematic catharsis of that theme 
I don't know if it's a catharsis actually, but like the the poignantness of the ending of having the backhoe pull down that house that was not built by the grandfather of the Polish people, but by the the Jewish ancestors who lived on that land before them. And so all of those things are intertwined. And watching the backhoe, this industrial, you know, age thing, machine pull down this house and and really level it is sort of the icing on the the cake of of this story and i i like all of that i think the picture of piotr in the in the rubble being the husband of the of the former bride hannah you know i i dig it i think you know we could argue the, the um What's the word for it's a little derivative, let's say of the shining ending of the shining. <laughs> um, I think that's a fair argument, but I still liked it. I still was like, OK, I, I'm cool with this. He's in a way his indiscretion in a weird way, albeit accidental, has kind of pulled him out of reality and in back into that old time as a as a being in a weird way. And so all of that stuff, I just think is cool and then i turn the movie off and i'm like i've forgotten about it already well and i think that you know are you, so are you ready for that part yet or you want more I, to... I think yeah yeah i mean i think that to me that's it it's that's kind of where i land like there's not to me a whole lot more to say in the realm of what worked great well as much i would so I'd like to just accentuate the positive. We have a mission here, as we do on Dismembering Horror, to uh, decentuate the positive <laughs> as well. All right, so it sounds like you're ready for it. Let's do it. What did not work? It is not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> Well, Tim, I, let's hear it. I was bored, as I <laughs> you said. You're bored with my explanation. I was bored with the movie. I was very bored with the movie. It felt like, like I could hear people saying, you know, slow burn is like my, one of my favorite things, Tim. But this was like, if I heard someone describe it as that, I'd say there's zero burn happening. That's right. I, I would agree. There's it's slow. That, but nothing ever lights on fire, right. so it's not even burning, really. It's just sort of there. Well, it, I I would even be okay if it was burning and then puttered out, at least, you know, mm -hmm. set, set on fire. But, like, nothing – it felt like nothing was happening, that it really was just, like, people kind of saying, oh, well, where did he – okay, he's in this room now. Oh, let's call the doctor again, kind of like – you know, he flips out at the midpoint. They kind of call the doctors, talk about it, and then he comes back out, and then he just flips out again. And I'm like, why not just make that the same? Like, what was what was that all about? Like, yeah. um, and I was trying to figure out, okay, well, is that... <laughs> I don't know why. Why is that so? Could I could see it? I guess I could see the filmmaking being done differently, and so in a way that actually. I don't know, lets me know that that's okay by giving it some kind of thread. So I was just trying to like parse out or think of why maybe 
I just felt like there was nothing I could actually follow the whole time that was keeping mm-hmm. any of my interest. And I mean, the best I can come up with is maybe it has something to do with like, if you have these two different approaches, like let's say the Michael Haneke kind of like um, super observational, which like works for, you know, a slow burn, but you mm-hmm. know, really just dire moody circumstances, you know, not being super, super subjective. Oh, I get, you know, he gets subjective, but you, you, you get what I'm saying, his style. Sure. And then the sort of using using music and close ups and all all these things. Yeah, I don't know to sort of do a, a more a more sort of telling approach for what's going on. And this just felt like it wasn't. It was somehow not doing either, and it should have been doing one or the right. other. Like an example. Okay, in theory, I think that was cool. Like when you're describing it, how just him disturbing the grave of this of the skeleton is enough to conjure the spirit and possess him, whatever. But like there wasn't there there was nothing in the filmmaking that even like made me a little bit go, ooh, he's he's uh oh something was disturbing. You know, no hanging shot on the skull, and you know, no, nothing like that. Which Again, if the rest of the movie was fine in that sort of really step back, like uber, quote unquote, realistic style, that would have been okay. But it was, I don't know, it was just, it was just writing this, this line for me in a way that just didn't click. So I just didn't ever feel any kind of thread at all to follow. It just felt like I was walking, watching people walk from room to room. I did not care about the characters, even though I liked the performances. Um, I... (laughs) I, I don't know. And then even, and even like when it gets to things like, I don't know. And because of that was my, my overall experience watching it just then when it got to things like as much I was into the father's end monologue, you know, and the idea of him saying it was a collective hallucination, I was only like a collective hallucination of what, like what, right, what even right. happened? What are you referring to? When was the moment that all these people yeah. here reacted to something that was like, you know, actually something that you might want to deny even happened or, or question their sense of reality. So that, like, well, there wasn't even that payoff of an escalation after the midpoint freak out. Um, even the, the, that that ending, like, yeah, it was kind of cool describing how, you know, hearing how you described him having a photo or the, the Shining, him in the photo thing. But rather than that perfect, you know, how it is in The Shining where it's the best kind of what? This was just like, <laughs> right. this was just like a what? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Well, you know, again, it's a little, t- in a way, I think part of what is failing the movie is that it's 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 almost too uh uh vaguely thematic it's a, it's too metaphorical actually and so you know the dad at one point when shit's really kind of hitting the fan he turns to the daughter and he's like we're base he says something to the effect of we're basically just going to forget about all of this and you know maybe he'll get better or maybe he won't but you'll get married again and we'll have a we'll have a wedding again and we'll just forget about all of this and that is to the point of the thematic stuff of people just ignoring the atrocities in the world right it's the metaphor for the bigger issues in the world being sort of spoken and carried out. But in a way, it's too kind of nebulous, right? Like 
it's it's weirdly on the nose and nebulous at the same time because nothing comes of it. And part of, I think, the issue is, is you can state these thematic things in like, you know, interesting ways. But if the characters aren't having a legitimate reaction to them, we kind of just don't care. So that makes me feel like... Yeah, sorry, or, or if we just aren't seeing those reactions or being able to pick up on them. Right, right. Yeah, if it doesn't land, I mean, the, I guess the, that's why I use the, the example of characters reacting. Like, we need something to uh, reflect off of that type of metaphor landing. And sometimes it's characters, sometimes it's visuals, whatever. But it's not, it just doesn't happen in this. You know, like, even that speech of the dad sort of points to everybody's just sort of in their own world anyway. Nobody's listening to his speech. So it's like... It almost undercuts the the metaphor in the first place, which is we're going to collectively ignore this thing. Every, nobody's listening to him, so it doesn't. It just it doesn't work, right? Like it doesn't. Everybody would have to agree, you know, to ignore this reality for the metaphor to actually carry through and speak to a large population ignoring the atrocities of the world, right? Like. But they don't. They're all just in their own. They're all just hung over and not listening anyway, and they all go home. So it's like it doesn't quite land. And a big part of, I think, what you're talking about of, of never really like getting on board with anything is that we do. We the we start the movie with Piotr, right? Like we're, we're watching the world through his eyes only. We never we never get a different perspective as like the point of view of the movie. And so once he is possessed and his actual character is gone, we never the movie never shifts into somebody else's point of view. Somebody else doesn't become the protagonist of the movie. Yeah. It's just people standing there watching this happen. The wife at least make make the bride really give a shit she just sort of is there she's way two-dimensional throughout she's like you know come on help him what the fuck but that's about as far as her character rises to yeah i mean she she tries to dig up the grave i guess that's sort of her moment but like even that doesn't amount to anything so i think if we if you were going to kind of redo or like reframe the movie i think you you need to make it more her story so that you can kind of lean into the issues uh, of the the thematic stuff which is here's this outsider coming into our realm and she loves him so she has to defend that with all of the people who are criticizing it and so if we're seeing all that through her, then we actually have stakes, right? We actually have conflict that we can get into. But we never live in that world with her. We're just sort of watching it vaguely occur around Piotr. Yeah. And then once his character is out, who gives a shit? Because we he was the only thing we had to fucking hang on to in the first place and care about. It's like this is why The Exorcist works. Because that movie is Ellen Burstyn's movie. 
right? Like it's the I forget the name of the mother in that movie, but like it's her it's her movie. It's not a it's not about Reagan. It's about a mom dealing with some fucked up shit that her kid is going through. Well, it's like even though <laughs> this is pretty specific to me, but you're saying if we're with him that that first half or whatever, I he lost me right at the beginning as soon as like so he calls he calls the um, his 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 uh, wife or soon to be wife um, to say about to say hey I just dug up the skeleton and then immediately but then he doesn't follow through with that right and then when the his his buddies or whatever start like I don't know they're they're either starting to dig up the ground again too or something like that which why it's happening the day of the wedding I never got why they're digging <laughs> up holes because the they're their drunk wedding. dude they're drunk and they're like let's let's dig up and make that pool of yours because so it's raining it's like com- okay he completely lost me as soon as he was like angrily yelling at them to stop without even telling them why I'm like, right. dude, just tell them that you saw a skeleton. Like, why is that some, if you were right. about to tell her why and you tell them later, why is it a big secret? And that's like maybe a, a minor thing, but I just get, I feel like that's a thing in movies. I just get completely, completely lost when something could be cleared up with just saying it and explaining it. I get yeah. so frustrated. It's why I stopped watching Seinfeld. <laughs> Because there comes a point, I don't know what season it is, but there comes a point where everything that is an issue in that show can be solved with somebody being like, hang on, sorry, I just, let me rephrase that. The brilliance of the show is that they they never know about it, though. They aren't in on that. That's true. That's true. But anyway, so it... I agree with you. <laughs> so here's here's, to me, here's how you solve that. You... Frame the first act through both of their perspectives. The 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 girl the uh the what do you call the bride to be? <laughs> the bride. So the bride and the groom, and you have both of their perspectives really clear. You 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 focus in on their concerns, their fears, their their trepidation about this wedding and all that but you do it with them together so you go oh we're on the same page but you get the two points of view one person says you know you can go back and forth but one person is like i understand that you're concerned about this but it's going to be okay or the other person can express like hey just so you know like the bride could be like just so you know this house means a lot to our family and like it's a big deal that we're letting you in but i love you so much that it's going to be great don't worry about it you know and you set those things up Set up that, like, you know, the tree that he knocks over is important to her in some way. Let us know what is important to her so that when he fucks up and knocks over a tree and reveals a fucking buried skeleton, we care because we go, oh, shit, he just did the thing that she said he shouldn't do. So now he has to hide it from her or find a solution or whatever. But it never really has that. So we never have the touchstone of caring about why he decides to do things the way he does. And that's important because once we move into the second act of like, uh oh, shit's turned upside down. We we don't have any touchstone to care about his decisions or what's happening to him because we never get on board with what she thinks. Yeah, she just wants her wedding to not be rained out, but it's raining, and it's like, oh, what a bummer! 
yeah. you know, so it, it she's too two dimensional, and that sucks because once again, we're living in this world where women just kind of get, you know, light strokes of of the brush strokes of who they are as characters, and then they're left to that. Right, it felt like, like they gave more to her dad than her. Right, right, but that. <laughs> You can't have the dad without her. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the dad doesn't fucking matter unless we care about her point of view. Yeah. So to me, that's the real failing of all of this, because like I said, I think this the 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 foundation of the storytelling and like what was it's built upon is really fucking cool stuff. But then. The actual mechanics of how you make that matter never fucking get there. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious if you could expound on or help me parse out kind of what I said earlier. It's like if there's there's truth to this or 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 what I was what I meant. Like when I said we had the moment where he flips out at the midpoint, then it kind of feels like nothing happens, and then he mm-hmm. just like flips out again. Why not cut out the middle? Why not cut out what happened? Oh, but but I, but I want to say like just the two different ways that I could see doing that that would make it work better if it was let's say if we are following let's say the bride or in this case what it was closer to the father of the bride dealing with things falling apart that is just close to how it was if like that the 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 section between those two flip outs was really with him and we saw him sort of dealing with it and then i don't know make it about that more so show us it's about that or basically just the other style that i'm getting at is like uh basically the filmmaker who made calvert like you know that sort of no music style was i could just i could just picture that filmmaker being on like that scene that's that a transitional between two flip out scenes and just feeling attention or feeling that burn just in that whatever their approach was but i'm just trying to figure out what was or wasn't going on here do you think i i think a big part of it is what you were explaining i think is spot on It, it 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 stagnates because we basically have the same scene four-ish times in a row, right? We have him flip out and the family reacts to it and goes, what the fuck's going on? And then they call in the priest and the and then he flips out and the priest goes, oh no, I'm sorry, they call in the doctor first. And the doctor goes, uh, I don't, I don't know. It seems kind of fucked up. Let's give him an injection of, I forget what they even inject him with, but they do that and they sit there and they kind of rub their beards and go, this is weird. Then (laughs) they call in the priest and the priest sees him flip out a little bit more and rubs his beard and goes, yeah, this is weird. I got to go. And then (laughs) they call in the, the Jewish elder and he, because he starts speaking German and Yiddish, and they go, oh, get, get the, the one Jewish guy in town, get him to translate. And he comes in, and it's then that's the first time we get a little bit of story progression where we get to find something out. But what's lacking in those four scenes in a row is progress, right? Like, we need to see... 
an evolution over the course of those scenes. Otherwise, we get what we get, which is just watching the same thing happen over and over with just a couple. It's a revolving door. It's like, who gives a shit? If you have the doctor come in. Well, sorry, if you start, you start with family, no problem. That 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 seems fine. But the next thing that needs to happen is it has to get worse. Like the situation has to get worse. His condition has to get worse. The understanding or the the we need to devolve into more chaos. And we kind of don't. It's just him doing the same thing and being like, and each thing. That's why that's why the exorcist is good, because man, does shit could continuously get worse and then worse and then way worse and then way worse than we thought it could get. So like that, that doesn't exist in this movie. In fact, it feels like a punt where he just one moment he's there and the next moment he's gone. And then then we're on to, I guess, the third act of just what the fuck and which let's go look for him. In theory, I think that's a really cool constraint to work with as far as how do we approach a possession story where the possession itself self only escalates so far and it's more about. Uh, people's dealings with it and the reactions to it like that can work in theory but right right no i i agree but even in (laughs) the in the progress of those four scenes family doctor priest elder they become the focus of those scenes each of those individuals they should not be the focus of the scenes. They should be a through line for the family to continue to have an opinion over what's going on and have conflict within themselves, right? Like between each other. And that it's sort of there, but it's not really there. They kind of just continue to be like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. And it's like, that's not enough, right? Like I I needed personally to see the the bride and the dad actually have it out and i also i think one aspect that's really missing and this is a choice so you know whatever but for me what would have sold the 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 mystery of what's going on is if the dad has knowledge of something like a secret whatever like he he knows a thing that he has never revealed about all of this like how did he get the house did he inherit the house under sort of strange circumstances or maybe like shitty circumstances where he kind of just like swooped in and took advantage of the fact that now this woman who lived there family that lived there no longer is there and they just sort of you know like actually that's that's uh, given to us in a way we can we can go whoa that's fucked up and how do we do that we do it through the fucking bride right she would she's us we need to see her go, whoa, my reality just got fucked with on all levels. But we we don't we just don't get that. We get her kind of just being bummed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, something in there you said just made me think a, a, a way to put it. What well, wasn't working. It, it, the, we were it never felt like we were getting enough story revealed and that wasn't working. Well, that's not inherently a bad thing, but that wasn't working because the filmmaking made me feel like we should be getting story things revealed. Right, right. So that's exactly I. I and by, I by story things, you can yeah. do it by story. With, you, 
there's a way to do it without that construct. And by story things, I mean like uh, about, well, I guess I mean, I was about to say um, by story things, I meant the specifically the possession angle, but not the character stuff. But I guess I mean the character stuff too, because that wasn't really happening either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I was just thinking they, they try, they actually set up his disappearance on the wedding day. You know, when they, he, I guess the one, the one thing that I, I forgot to mention that I really love just as a moment is him falling into the pit of mud and like being enveloped in it. That moment is really, I, I was like, oh shit, fuck yeah, cool, great, awesome, like a scare kind of like freaky moment. But then it doesn't carry over in any way. He the the brother and friend show up the next morning and he they can't find him and they're like, oh, he's disappeared. And then they find him in his car and he's not covered in mud. And it's like we kind of just move on. Right. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck? That's fine in that moment to kind of move on and, and leave that oddity hanging but we never come back to it it's it's too the thread is too long and never really comes back around yes he disappears ultimately so sure it comes back around and that's that in that way but if the story is sort of leading us down this pathway of ultimately he's going to disappear let's fuck around with that throughout where you you know, keep having him kind of try to get away and them keep finding him, right? That's That would, I think, help us that when he finally disappears for real and they can't find him, they're like, fuck. In a way, this entity has been trying to get him to disappear or take him this whole time. And we've been preventing that from happening until a point where we can no longer prevent it. And I, I, I mean... If you're doing it that way, I think you can get away with this slow burn sort of like nothing like shit doesn't have to be explained because you're kind of just like through the actions of the characters seeing that stuff unfold. It doesn't have to be stated. Right. As far as it like just kind of happen. His like a progression of his possession, like I it was beyond me, like if there was an escalation or not, or like like I, I read yeah. in the story, it was like, oh, I, at a certain point, then he becomes fully possessed by whatever Hannah, Hannah, and I was yeah. like, oh, when when the hell did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> it's when he freaked out slightly differently. I mean, I guess I just missed a line somewhere because again, I apologize. Yeah. I was just well, bored. I mean, he's just fully taught. He like he as Hannah recognizes the elder from town. He's and she's like, oh, you're old now. See, that's what's like, okay. For that reason, but, uh, maybe what I'm not saying is valid just because that, that re at that point I was just bored and checked out, you know? Well, sure. But here's the thing. If you're going to do a possession story and you want us to care about the person who's possessed, they have to come back at various times like a drowning person gasping for air. Their head needs to come out of the water for air occasionally and we go oh shit 
like they're still in there. We can we can save them, and then they fall back, you know, underwater, and we and you you know you're reaching for them, and they're gone again. It, without that, I just don't give a fuck about him. Like I I need I need to feel connected to him going through this as much as anybody else or like and he, we never get it he's just sort of in it or, we never get him a mo- we don't get a moment of levity where he's like okay okay guys i'm sorry that was really weird i don't know exactly what's going on but i'm fine now i mean and or like you said just hand off who the protagonist kind of is if we're if if we're super with him that first half and then he's gone without you know uh, any sign of showing up again but then we're completely with the bride um yeah. and i don't know i could see that working but yeah because she could be like uh, she could be saying what i'm saying i know you're fucking in there still yeah yeah come on man like you cannot leave me right and like we only care that he's leaving her if we set up that she cares about him and we you know, yeah, we're, we're supposed to assume that because they're getting married and they love each other and they have, you know, intense sex. Like, I guess. But that's not enough. That's not real. That's all just surface shit. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's a bummer because I, I do like aspects of it, but it just never gets there. Great. Well, if that's it, should we move on to our third section for Dimon? All right. Yeah. Here we go. Last but not least, things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. Well, I got to clarify, I kind of got to correct something we said earlier as far as um, this being our first Polish film. This is our first Polish set film, but not first Polish filmmaker because, of course, we loved and watched oh. Possession by Andrzej Zwolski, who's a Polish yes, filmmaker. But that, I was going to say... That was a German-French you know, co-production, though, in film right. in Berlin. I was definitely going to say, you want to do some Possession... Or, yeah, Possession shit well. <laughs> Just go watch that movie. I mean, Possession wasn't about typical demon possession. and No, I, mean, I agree, but like... You get what I what we're talking about exists in that movie. Yeah. Those two characters care so intensely about each other. We get that in like fucking drop scene one. <laughs> like they are intensely into each other and mad at each other. And like they have a point of view. Both of them. We get all of that and we see the 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 clashing of that. And you could do that. You know, it doesn't have to be a clash necessarily, but like it could be a good clash or a bad clash or whatever. But like we get that we get the two of them having a point of view and having an experience in relation to each other. And that doesn't happen in this movie. Well, demon. Good. Good thing of note as far as a comparison that we. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To there. Um, Why can't I get this movie to pull up? The only thing that um, the only thing that I had just that was kind of like a fun um, I don't know, observation from a kind of personal note is I have been to a Polish wedding where I mm. was tasked with being essentially the MC for uh, a, a series of Polish wedding games. Wow. And 
it was just cool from having done that. Like I forget the specific games, but it was really fun seeing all that as a setting. Like I already said, just a Polish wedding as a setting was really cool. But what's unique about Polish weddings that I can remember remember is like, yeah, you totally have lots of like things involving blindfolds and throwing pieces of clothing or whatever and chair games and, you know, <laughs> starting and stopping the music and like all that, all that happens, cool. lots of drinking. So um, it's just fun. Yeah. Polish weddings, man. Isn't the wedding in, you may or may not know this. I think the wedding in the deer hunter. I knew you were going to say wedding. that. <laughs> yeah, I think it is right. I it's forget. An, it's a fun, it looks like a fun time. Yeah. Weddings are fun. Um, on a sad note, as a thing of note, the director of this film, Marcin Rona, uh, ultimately did commit suicide pretty much right after the movie was done, um, which is a bummer. I mean, to say the least, Jesus. Um, you know, so sorry that that happened and it's, it sucks. Man, young guy too. It's really. I don't know sad. what else to say about it. It's just people dying always is really shitty. Um, and obviously, I think he had he had some good things going on in terms of being a filmmaker. And yeah, it's too bad. It's, yeah, rest in peace. Yep. Um, beyond um, that, I, I don't really have much more. I just, uh, I'll note it was funny. This is one of those movies I saw on the Letterbox review too. They noted this. I think they counted 10 opening company credit cards. Opening oh my title God, card. I remember yeah. thinking that. I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, in, in the pre-roll before the, the film actually starts. Anyway, yeah. Whatever. Hey, you gotta get you gotta get it done. Yeah, everyone's hey, it's only fair. That many contributors for sure. When when you you want to make a movie, you better fucking whatever you need to do to get those people to jump on board and make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> I have oh fifty fifty fucking pre roll things. I don't give a shit. Just make my help me make my movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It could, it, be, cool. it could be 20 minutes of that shit beforehand. I I don't care. <laughs> if, you, if I get to if I get to get a, a, an actual full budget for a movie, whoo. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um great, 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 great. Okay, well, if that's it for demon slash demon, if that's the Polish pronunciation, Tim, uh next we got to make a couple recommendations. Dude, Ryan, Tim. let me just tell you. <laughs> if you don't have Shudder, which I know you do, Ryan, but you out there listening, if you don't have Shudder, I'm sorry, but you need to get the fuck on board because there is a documentary on Shudder right now that is, it's like, it's everything to me. <laughs> Which one? Is it the 80s one? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, I want to see it. It's, it's called In Search of Darkness, A Journey into Iconic 80s Horror. It is magnificent. <laughs> I remember, it's yeah. 265 minutes of just pure glory. Just kind of a chronological just going yep. through the 80s. <laughs> That's great. It's like, it, I love interview the- interview everybody. It's like, it's, I love the 80s for horror, huh? Yep. Oh, dude, it is so good. Uh, 
I can't, I don't, I didn't watch it all in one sitting. I think I split it up into two because it is long. It's, wait, two, six, 265 minutes is how many hours? It's like three hours something. Um, or maybe it's four hours something. Anyway, it is well worth every minute of it. What I want to know it, is, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, it. it reminded me so much of so many movies that like, I just, I'm like, fuck, I have to go watch that again. And of a a ton of movies that I was like, man, you know what? I never, I never actually saw that. And I fucking should. Um, also, it made me realize because it's, you know, it's not rated. It doesn't matter. They show everything. I was like, there's a shitload of, of 80s horror that I've only ever seen the TV edited versions of. Because that's, you know, I didn't like I didn't watch it. I didn't have HBO or whatever. I, I, I saw all of that shit on TBS or TNT or whatever. USA Network up all night. Um, so now I'm like, shit, I got to go like I got to go rewatch Critters. You know, or whatever, any number of things that I never ended up getting from Video Barn. <laughs> Critters. <laughs> <laughs> or critters too there's so much well okay. so i rewatched phantasm too because of this move this the documentary i was like i gotta go watch re rewatch phantasm Great. because it's been a long time shoot if you're on shutter you should have watched the joe bob version it was is great they have all the they have oh they, that's interesting they I, I yeah they didn't have the rights for the sequel but they have like three four and five possession three or well, sorry Phantasm. Oh, Phantasm. Three, four, and five. Yeah. Um, oh, weird. I thought it, two it, was supposed to be I, like I'd the good one. I don't even for know. For whatever reason, they couldn't have the rights to it. But um, <laughs> I'd say I'd say keep up your Phantasm-thon, but uh, with the Joe Bob, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so get, you got to get on it, well, guys. You kind of... My, guys, my question, guys, <laughs> my question watch at, this documentary. My question I was going to ask, you kind of answered, is what um, anything you haven't seen at all that where you're like, oh, I need to check that out? Chopping Mall. Oh, I've seen that. That's a Joe Bob one, too, on there. Watch <laughs> that. Um, no, off the top of my head, um, there was a bunch. I haven't seen Maniac. Um, That's a Joe Bob, too, man. They're all there. God, um, oh, Near Dark. Yeah, that's a good one. I have never seen Near Dark, and I didn't I didn't even realize it was Catherine Bigelow, which makes me want to see it even more. I think you'll um, like it. And and it is no it's nowhere to be found streaming, so I'm I need to figure it out. I might I might actually go to some um I might pick it up from video video uh, tech. Video tech, yeah, because I have to go over to that direction in a half hour. So great. Um that's what I'll do. Well, I've been uh, I <laughs> awesome. You'll like it. I've been um, <laughs> I, I've been watching some good stuff, but to kind of you know um, I guess work in order here and to stick with the Shutter theme on both Criterion and Shutter right now. Criterion has a ton of them, but and Sh Shutter has like two or three of them. But they have uh, they're featuring. I don't know if this coincidence or what, but they both have exploitation, like seventies Australia. Um, Australian like action genre whatever films oh, exploitation cool. films 
And so I've watched two, one on Criterion and one on Shudder. So far, they're two for two. But to highlight the one on Shudder, stick with that theme. I told you about it, Tim. You got to watch this. It was called Turkey Shoot from 19... (laughs) I've heard of it. (laughs) From 1982. But it's great because it's like you have the post-apocalyptic, like you know, um, police state kind of thing that are yeah. rounding up the dissenters. And we're with Olivia Hussey is the one who like, Ugh. she, yeah, well, yeah, our favorite from uh, Psycho 4. Um, Dude. She, uh, she's like the, the, the one who's completely apolitical and trying just to do the right thing, but for whatever misunderstanding in a police state gets wrapped up in it all. So we're kind of with her. But then it's, it's not just that. The story is just one of those people hunting people uh things going on so you have like the the rich people hunting for sport these you know (laughs) uh political uh detractors or whatever defectors and it's just it's so much fun like the kills you just uh, it's 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 great it's it's exactly what you'd want from this premise uh check check it out turkey shoot nice that's cool i need to you know what else i need to see this is not a recommendation, but I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. And um, I think the the thing I recommended it, I think, I don't remember if it was last episode or two episodes ago, um, the, the Golden State Killer documentary uses a bunch of footage to sort of emphasize this like scary vibe from the creature from the Black Lagoon, which I mentioned the other day to you, and I said the Blue Lagoon, and you made fun of me. Because um, it's a hilarious mashup idea of, like, <laughs> take the Blue Lagoon and add the creature from the Black Lagoon to it. <laughs> we should make that movie. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, what do you happen to know if Criterion has that, or do you have it? Because I want to watch that movie. I have a DVD, not a Blu-ray yes. of it. I'd say go all out, get the Blu-ray while you're picking up Near Dark. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> you're, you're happy. You're more than welcome to, <laughs> to borrow it, though, too. Cool. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> on that note. Now we're just talking. Let's figure out what, uh, well, hey. What oh, a- The Fog. The Fog is another one that, that made me realize I've never seen that, and I want to see that. That is another great, I think, like Shout Factory, something like that release. Like, um, yeah, there's some, oh, cool. some good Carpenter releases. Uh, anchor bay arrow bay i forget one of those um yeah okay next week's episode tim i think it's my turn oh right i feel like i I remember you saying demon (laughs) i did i definitely did i was like (laughs) okay next week's film and stop all right here we go here we go am i holding it upside down no here we go ready yeah I'm going to show it to you. Oh, great. What I've seen, but not for a while. Slither, submitted by our friend, Brendan Welch. Great. Brendan, we're excited to revisit it and dismember it for you and us. Slither. Yeah, I I think I only saw it once a long time ago. Cool. That'll be fun context to watch it again. (laughs) All right. Sweet. Cool. Um... Well, great. Well, great. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, that's that's about it. We usually have a big ask, but you know what? Whatever. Hey, if you liked it, keep keep on keep on liking it. Stay tune in next week. All that. All I'm that trying to stuff. be more on Twitter. Talk to me on Twitter, guys. Yeah, I'm trying. We are at this horror pod <laughs> at this horror pod. <laughs> yeah, great. Great. Tim will be there. I'll be there a little bit, too. 
All right, guys. Well, this was it for this week in closing. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>